I started my day carless, wandering around the outskirts of Oklahoma City on foot, trying to find quarters. <laughs> if you had told me this is where I would be in the middle of my road trip a couple weeks before I started, I might have considered canceling. But I made it work, and I survived. And that's the whole point of an adventure, right? I'm Giulio Gallarotti, and this is Pack Light Season 1, A COVID-Friendly Road Trip. You really notice the little things when you spend enough time alone, and I intend to walk you through every little detail of the trip. These are my free-flowing thoughts as I drive around the country. At the end of the episode, there are more details about where to find pictures, links to music, and some other cool stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. I should have gotten a great night of sleep. The room was beautiful, with a great view, and finally wasn't next to any loud people or babies. But the catch? Those two tequilas. Those two goddamn tequilas. I woke up feeling full-on hungover. It's incredible how much my tolerance has gone down since the pandemic started. I did, however, feel that drinking had knocked out whatever allergies I had been feeling. The old Russian remedy. So even though I was tired, I, for the time being, felt both corona and terminal illness-free. The day before, I had also had a phone call about work. My friend Lindsay asked if I could help her punch up the script for this children's movie. It felt nice to have some work stuff be coming up during this. But I had also made a ton of phone calls, again. And at the end of the day, my voice was so hoarse, paired with what I hoped were allergies, plus the dehydration of drinking, I went to bed not feeling my best. I was convinced I had COVID, again. So it was good to wake up feeling betterish in the morning. Tired, but corona-free. I called Firestone, trying to set up a time to come in and get the oil changed. I had sort of planned to do a little bit of OKC sightseeing in the morning, but I wasn't sure how this detour might impact that plan. I called, and the classic car repair guy answered. He said, Come on over again, line. I should have known that I ultimately would not be able to make an appointment if I called in advance, but in my defense, I don't own a car, and I don't know how this works. And also, the guy the day before had made it seem like I might be able to make an appointment. My dad also changes his own oil, so I truly have no idea how the oil change process works. Don't judge me. I drove over there, and immediately the guy made sure to manage my expectations. He basically said that he needed to wait for the rental company to approve it before he could even put me in line. I started to get paranoid about the fact that my car had California plates. I somehow convinced myself that they were gonna like tamper with my car. I know that's ridiculous in retrospect, but at the time, for some reason, I was feeling that way. I just felt like during this divided time that I didn't wanna be on the quote, other team. I knew that that was stupid and wrong. Getting your car fixed is a nonpartisan activity. (laughs) And even if whoever worked on my car wanted to be a dick, Hopefully they'd know that the relationship with the rental company was on the line, or something. I was being paranoid and needed to snap out of it. I arrived around 8.30 a.m. The place opened at 8 a.m., I believe, and there was already a crazy queue of cars having work done. Since this was a first-come, first-served situation, it made sense that I was already behind, especially since it was the weekend. 
I should have known to get there when it opened, but whatever, live and learn. Plus, I was hungover, and that extra 30 minutes of sleep actually made a big difference. I was getting annoyed waiting for the rental company to approve the process, so I asked the guy if I could just pay for it. And as we went to get that process started, the rental company approved it, right in the nick of time. So at least I didn't need to spend 80 bucks. I then parked down with my charger on one of the seats in the waiting room. The guy maybe started to feel bad for me or something. He goes, son, your car ain't gonna be ready for a while. It'll get on the lift by one if you're lucky. I said, oh, no worries. I don't have anyone to come pick me up, so I'll just chill here. A comment that brought more attention to my being out of town, but whatever. That sympathy card I was hoping would play stronger. I thought maybe by some miracle my car would get done sooner than later. The guy just nodded, and that was that. I had reached the point in the trip where I needed to do some laundry. And the hotel that I had booked for tonight was A, in the middle of nowhere, which I'll explain more about soon, but B, it also had laundry machines. Also, the hotel was like 50 bucks for the night, so that seemed like a win-win. My original plan was to drive up to Topeka and stay maybe in Lawrence, where Kansas University is, a school that I've heard is a wild time. Obviously, school wasn't in session, nor was I trying to hang around college campuses and meet up with some random college kids. But the town was supposed to be cool regardless. While I was there, I was planning on checking out the Brown versus Board of Ed National Monument and the Tall Grass Prairie National Preserve. The only problem with this route was, after Kansas, I would end up in Nebraska on a route that I had already driven in the past, up through Sioux City, where I was planning to stay the following night, and then driving across South Dakota to the Badlands area. I came up with a potentially better idea. One of the PAs who I had met while I was shooting the Bud Light commercial had told me about how interesting Western and Northwestern Nebraska were. Not much going on, but cool nature and such. I thought maybe I could adjust my route. There was some cool stuff in West Kansas and in Western Nebraska that I could peep, but where the hell would I stay? There were no cities for miles. It looked like I was gonna get a very late start. I figured I would have to drive all day from OKC, but hopefully I could get to this Econo Lodge in Wakini, Kansas, right around nightfall. Kansas is known to have some nasty weather and I didn't want to get stuck driving at night per my policy. So I added some new stops and decided that hitting new terrain was worth the sacrifice of having to stay in a not so nice hotel. Plus, the new setup had do-it-yourself laundry, so I would bang out a couple loads and hit the sack. So, back to OKC. It's 9 a.m., time to try to get some quarters for tonight so I could use the laundry machines. I don't know if you've tried to get quarters lately, but it's hard, especially on foot. I was also not in the nicest area, kind of on the outskirts of town. Some sketchy people floating around. It wasn't ideal, but whatever. I tried Walmart, bought a water, no dice. Then I went to the Family Dollar. I bought a six-pack of fruit-striped gum, asked for quarters, no dice. So now I just have a water and a bunch of fruit-striped gum <laughs> walking around the parking lot. Finally, at 7-Eleven, they were willing to give me some, and I felt like I had actually accomplished something.
I walked back into Firestone. Now it was about 9.30, and I realized I should maybe just Uber around to the spots I had planned on checking out. It was worth the whatever, 20, 30 bucks it was going to cost. My first Uber driver was an older white dude who seemed very concerned with getting a good rating. He was wearing a mask. There were waters and candy in the back seat. He filled me in a bit about what was going on in the neighborhood. I've noticed that in these smaller Uber markets, these people who just like drive Uber on the side, it seemed like, had just read the Uber handbook or something and were told, play popular music and try your best to get good ratings because it will help you get first dibs on customers. I'm making all this up in my head, but I assume it goes something like that. The first stop was the Myriad Botanical Gardens, which from Instagram looked pretty cool. Just like a giant indoor greenhouse and garden situation. I set off with my pack of fruit stripe, chewing like a champ. This was one of the few things on this trip that I checked out that was a disappointment. I know that lots of stuff had been closed, which was disappointing, but those sites themselves were not disappointing. Just my poor planning. The botanical gardens were cheap to get in. It was like eight bucks or something. And there were certainly some cool plants and little waterfalls and you could climb the stairs and walk around. Two issues though. The first one is the artificial tropical climate necessary for that kind of vegetation. It just made it really sticky and damp in there. And secondly, it was just too dense. I felt like I was just in the forest. It wasn't that pretty. And while it was sort of big, I for some reason expected it to be way bigger. I probably stayed in there like five minutes total, covering everything, before moving on. But respect to the people out there taking cool Instagram pics in there. I would ultimately rate it as a tourist trap though. Trap is maybe too harsh, maybe a tourist detour. The city was very new and clean. It kind of reminded me of Omaha, Nebraska. The outside of the botanical gardens were beautiful. All new stuff, lots of water, cool monuments and sculptures. I walked by where the Oklahoma City Thunder played. I thought about how I would have loved to see Harden, Westbrook, and Durant all play together again. They built a river walk with a bunch of little activities. The river walk was man-made, and though it wasn't along a real river, it was still cool. At this point, I've become pretty good at scoping out the types of attractions that I'm interested in, and I don't always love this type of situation. The river walk was certainly cool, but I don't love the whole brand new movie theater top golf vibe. I prefer something with a little more character in an ideal scenario. It was still really cool to see it all, and I hope the best for the city. Outside of one of the hotels, I saw a bison statue where the bison was wearing a mask. I appreciated that, and of course found it clever. I also was excited to tell all my friends from home that people here were aware of what was going on. I think in New York, we assume that all red states are the same. The way people from red states must assume that all liberals are the same. I think breaking those barriers and trying to understand nuance and where people are coming from is an important way to meet in the middle someday. I was thinking how all people should be required to do this kind of road trip to see that people aren't that bad anywhere. Or you should be required to spend Thanksgiving with a randomly assigned family from somewhere else in the country. I really think that that would make people see the good in each other. I know that this all maybe sounds a little silly, but I'm trying to prove a point. 
Just because I was in a red state like Oklahoma doesn't mean people aren't concerned wearing masks and trying their best to cope with the virus. I was starting to sweat and feel uncomfortable. It was pretty hot. One more stop at the OKC Memorial. I wanted to see it during the day since I was so impressed by it the night before. And as expected, it didn't pack the same punch as it did at night, but it was still pretty impressive. It looks like pieces of the building's foundation are still there from where the bombs hit. I also saw some graffiti written on the side of a building that looked like it was there from the original scene of the crime, like some profound graffiti that they just left there. It reads, quote, Team 5, 4 We search for the truth. We seek justice. The courts require it. The victims cry for it. And God demands it. Pretty powerful stuff. I was happy that I didn't have to force myself to go into the museum, since it was a pandemic. And being inside that kind of enclosed space seemed irresponsible. It was 11-ish, and I decided I would try to grab some lunch. I found one of those urban space spots, which in my mind is the classic thing that they're super excited about in smaller markets, where they're new. In New York City, I feel like we take them for granted. It's basically a collection of small, hip restaurants, all in the same upper-scale food court type of situation. I decided I would get a burger. They required a temperature check just to enter the building. It was the first time I had ever encountered that. Lots of COVID measure first for me in OKC. I always felt like the temperature check was a lame measure, especially if, like they said, lots of people were asymptomatic. But I respected the effort. A good first step for sure. But only some people were wearing masks, and it just seems like the mask thing is the only thing that works. So I, I just don't get why people don't wear them. <laughs> I mean, I'm no expert, but now that we are where we are, like, hello, should have been obvious then too, but again, some people were wearing them. I originally was in the mood for a Poke Bowl, but I very quickly realized that non-coastal Poke Bowl situations probably weren't great. And no offense to the establishment, but they didn't look all that good on the menu. I don't even think they were making them with fish, in fact. The burger that I ended up getting from local Homa was delicious. I got a single with cheese with some delicious jalapeno coleslaw, a solid meal. The place was starting to get a little crowded and it started to freak me out a little. I figured I would head back to the car place, hang in the air conditioning for a while and hope for the best. The Uber driver who picked me up was a real character. He looked like one of those guys who didn't say much, but like when he did, it was worth listening to, you know? And he also looked like he had combat training and experience. He picked me up in a pickup truck and he was in charge of the radio. <laughs> I actually watched him go, ah, when the hip hop station came on and he immediately changed the station. <laughs> Besides that, he didn't say a word the whole ride. And when he finally dropped me off, I said, have a good day. And he, in a very sprightly but manly fashion, goes, all right, you too. This was just not the Uber driver that I was used to. But I appreciated his demeanor, even though I was afraid to answer phone calls in the car because I didn't want to disturb him. Plus, I shouldn't be talking anyway. I should be resting my pipes. I thought about how it must be good to have that kind of presence in life. The presence where people are, like, scared to do shit around you. I don't know. I feel like it must help. I don't think that I have that kind of personality. I arrived back at Firestone around 1230. 
And to my amazement, my car was up on the lift. Massive development. I was back on the road by 1.30, and I almost got a smile out of the Firestone guy with my excitement for my car being done. I might even make it to my destinations today. Now, I didn't expect the day to be the most exciting, but I still had plans to make some stops. Today was the equivalent in a TV series of like the setup episode, you know, where like nothing that good happens and then they're like, oh, but the next episode's gonna be sick. <laughs> I was hoping for something like that. As far as not learning your lesson goes, the second I got in the car, I immediately made two extremely long phone calls. In the back of my head, I knew that I would pay for that later in the day because I knew I would lose my voice and I knew I would question my overall health. Kansas was the next day, as I had mentioned earlier. I had only been to Kansas one other time, and I'm not even sure if it counts. And it was to, get this, a private airport to refuel the private plane. I know, not to brag, I had a rich girlfriend at the time. Anyway, I don't typically consider being in the airport actually being in a place unless you leave the airport. However, this was a small airport in Salina, and since I stepped off the plane to get some fresh air, I considered it being there. We both know that's BS, but whatever. I was driving back through Kansas, so this no longer mattered. I remember that day being pretty funny. I was with my ex-girlfriend, her mom, her sister, her sister's boyfriend and now husband, and his friend. Now, his friend was getting all the attention, and I could tell my ex thought he was so hot, and that was like annoying me and making me jealous. Also, her mom yelled at me and told me that I needed to learn how to keep my then-girlfriend under control or she would lose interest in me. Ah, how right she was. It was also a crazy day because right when we got on the plane to take off, initially before we even left, her mom got off the plane and drove home to get some stuff. Now, her parents were divorced, and her dad calls me, and he goes, Julio, make sure my ex-wife gets on that plane. I was like, okay, like... Why am I now in charge of this whole operation? And then her mom continued to act pretty wild for the rest of the day. I did end up getting her back on the plane. But then once we were on the plane, her mom kept smoking cigarettes and weed on the plane, even though the pilot repeatedly told her that if she didn't stop, he would have to land the plane. Lots of stress. I hope my second trip to Kansas would be better. I was going to make two stops today at national park sites, if possible. I anticipated that one of those stops, Fort Larned, would potentially be closed when I got there since I got such a late start, but that was okay, and it didn't seem like that interesting of a stop anyway. Second, I would stop at Nicodemus, which was the only remaining Western town settled by African Americans after the end of slavery. It was settled in 1878. Both of these sites were semi in the middle of nowhere in Western Kansas, and I was excited to get back off the beaten path after having been in a fairly big city the night before. Today's total distance would be about 430 miles, which is very manageable, but it would have been better if I started earlier. It was about 300 miles to Fort Larned, so I got moving as fast as I could. My hangover was also starting to hit me, so I made some very bizarre food choices throughout the day. I had already eaten lunch, and normally I would wait till dinner to eat, but not today.
I stopped in the Wichita area to use the bathroom and to grab a coffee and a snack, two things I needed. The coffee the day before didn't affect my digestive health too negatively, so I figured it was a low-risk move. I stopped in a supermarket that had a Starbucks inside it. I gotta be honest, and not to be rude, but inside this supermarket was the highest concentration of obese people that I had ever seen in my entire life. Literally every direction that I turned in, there were just people on scooters or people who were just gigantic. And like scooters because they were so big that they couldn't walk. I wondered if it had anything to do with the local culture or something. I for some reason decided in my hungover state that a special eel roll from the sushi bar section would be a good idea. The eel sauce literally felt like jello, it was disgusting. I proceeded to eat the entire roll in the parking lot with my hands. And as the pieces of the overly refrigerated roll deteriorated and broke down, it forced me to hold it with my palms as well as my fingertips. When I was done, I had to go back inside to wash my hands off in the bathroom. It was truly vile. Ordering coffee was interesting too. I was talking to my buddy Alex on the phone about cryptocurrency, but I had to hang up to deal with what had unfolded. I ordered a coffee with soy milk, pretty straightforward. I used to get almond milk, but due to Hillary's nut allergy, I had changed that routine. Anyway, when I got my coffee, it looked like there was feta cheese crumble on the bottom of my cup, like blocks of white stuff. Not what soy milk should look like. I asked the girl about it, trying to be polite. She said, yeah, you, uh, you got soy. I said, yeah, I order soy all the time, and this is not what it looks like. She said, uh, oh, uh. She started scratching her head, and she goes, to be honest, sorry, I've never actually poured soy before. That was crazy to me. Like, I'm used to non-dairy milk having a reasonable presence, and it was just crazy to be in a place where regular milk was still fully dominant. I later read a study that a third of adults in Wichita were obese. Despite this fact, I noticed that Kansas wasn't as fat of a state as some of the other states that I had been through, particularly down south, according to the statistics. Now, obviously, statistics can be deceiving, but I also only went into that one grocery store. So I'm not claiming to be the expert about obesity in Kansas. Just saying what I saw. Between there and Fort Larned, and for the rest of the day, the route was dominated by farmland. Beautiful farmland, but farmland. Wheat fields for miles, bright blue sky. I was starting to not feel so hot. Maybe it was fatigue or allergies or hangover or COVID or terminal illness, but at this point, I'd gone to bed feeling shitty and woke up feeling okay so many times that I tried to ignore it. I could also barely see through my windshield at this point. All the miles and all the bugs that had exploded on my windshield finally becoming a major obstruction to visibility. I would need a downpour or a car wash. The windshield wiper fluid just wasn't cutting it at this point. I noticed some crazy farm equipment driving down the main roads. Mind you, I was mostly on smaller roads. I wouldn't be driving on any major highways for a while. These modern farm tractor machine harvesting thingies were crazy. It almost looked like a giant alien spacecraft. The driver was like at least eight feet off the road, it seemed, in a little pod that was all glass. You could see their whole body like they were driving a helicopter. 
Beneath them was a giant apparatus that was as wide as it was tall. I'm assuming for some kind of crop harvesting. And I saw a dozen of them at least. I tried to wave at the drivers, occasionally getting one back. Little thrill, you know. I inevitably drove through a bunch of small farming towns, but I made sure to drive slowly through them. No more tickets for your boy. I actually stopped in one to get out and take some pictures of the downtown. A man started to briskly approach my car. This was kind of stressful. He comes right up to my window and then motions for me to roll down my window kind of aggressively. I did so cautiously. He then says, hey, you need help with something? Not in a suspicious way. He was just really nice and enthusiastic. I forgot that people in small towns are helpful and nice and they notice you. It's definitely one of the main appeals to small town living. I didn't need his help, but I asked him how to get to Fort Larned anyway, I guess to humor him. I knew it was closed. I thought maybe I could get a picture from the road or something, but it was nice of him to help. This little town was pretty cute, similar to some of the ones that I saw in Texas, just without the cowboys. There were tons of storefronts that could easily be transformed into trendy brunch spots in LA. Old like body shops and hardware stores and the like. In Kansas, I saw a bunch of Jesus signs, like more than usual. And I know I had been seeing them for the majority of the trip, but these were a little more specific. Lots of stuff about abortion. Stuff like no baby should be killed by choice and stuff like that. Kansas is known for being one of the stricter states on abortion. Fort Larned was indeed closed. Would have been cool to see. It was established and operational from 1859 to 1878 to protect people along the Santa Fe Trail from hostile American Indians. Some settlers versus American Indian vibes. Somehow the GPS led me onto a dirt road off of the highway but it was very beautiful. I was right in between two bright colors. To my right was a completely golden field that appeared to have already been harvested. And to my left was completely green for miles and miles in either direction. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're driving across the country and that same contrast is on either side of them as they drive. A friend of mine even texted me that exact image of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn driving by in the sheepdog mobile. I was in Trump country for sure. I know that Kansas is historically a pretty conservative state. In my mind, I'd always grouped this area with the South. And although they seem to share political sentiments and such, they're definitely not the same. Like, is Kansas even the South? No, right? Regardless, I saw the most impressive Trump shrine yet. It was a converted trailer that still appeared to have some farm gear in it, with a big arched metal cover over the bed kind of like something that could be used for transporting horses. And it just says Trump in giant red, white, and blue letters on the side. Soon after that, I saw a big billboard for a gun store, Joe Bob's Outfitters, with a giant picture of an AR-15 rifle on the billboard. If I had more time, I definitely would have stopped in there. If you Google Joe Bob's, one of the top links is having to do with AR-15 parts. I was thinking literally what on earth could anyone out here use an AR-15 for? To shoot wheat? I'd barely seen anyone the entire day. 
I was very amused at the idea of people needing military-grade weapons out here. Now, every time I would post something about Trump on my story, my old tennis friend Gustavo would reply, MAGA. I really like Gustavo, but he was an immigrant from Venezuela, and it seemed ridiculous to me that he had become a Trump supporter. I just didn't see the appeal for him. So instead of going there, I figured I would just ignore those DMs when he sent them to avoid any shitty political discussion. After I ignored yet another MAGA from him, after I posted this latest shrine, he finally addressed the situation. He was like, dude, you know I'm kidding, right? I'm an immigrant. Obviously, I don't like Trump. <laughs> I didn't realize he was this funny. And I just wasn't sure before he told me that he was kidding because Gustavo recently moved to Arizona. He owns a business. I wasn't sure if somehow that had turned him into a Republican or something. I thought that this was very funny of him to be messing with me this whole time. Gustavo also kicked my ass in the quarterfinals of the state individual tournament my junior year of high school. So let's not forget that. Not that that matters, but you always remember your losses. between Fort Larned and Nicodemus was a bit more interesting. Some hills, some rocks, some oil rigs pumping away into the earth. It kind of reminded me of that movie There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis. Great flick. Some big, fluffy clouds started to roll in. Nothing too ominous, but it did look like there was rain in the forecast. So I wanted to make sure I kept it moving. I did not want to get caught in a crazy storm. I arrived to Nicodemus at 8 p.m. This little town was truly in the middle of nowhere. And there were some current residents living among the historical buildings. And I couldn't tell if the historical buildings were active or not. This little town had a lot of character and was so off the beaten path that I was officially happy I had changed my room. Nicodemus in Latin means victory for the people. Love a nice triumphant title. And given that people had settled here as free people for the first time in their lives, it must have felt victorious indeed. The Homestead Act of 1862 gave an incentive for people to move west. They would give you a 160-acre plot, and if you worked it and developed it for five years, you could purchase it. There was an extra appeal to moving out west for African Americans as it offered them an opportunity to move out of the south. I'm not sure that that worked out as well as they might have hoped, but it's cool that some of the communities they established still exist to this day. In fact, during the last weekend of July, descendants of the founders, as well as former residents, returned to the town for celebrations and parades, which I wished I could be around for. This idea brought me back to 1619, which I had listened to a few days earlier. The last two episodes were about farming and how the system was set up to discriminate against black farmers making it more difficult for them to get financing and the loans they needed to keep their farms working properly. People in these communities would blame the farmers themselves for being bad at farming. But they made a good point in the podcast that the black farmers had been farming the land for years and were in fact much better at it typically than their white counterparts. This was pretty eye-opening for me to learn about the nuances of institutional racism. And I'm sure that that tale echoed out here in farming country as well. Nicodemus ultimately didn't end up doing too well. And in the end, unfortunately, after 1880, they had a few years of bad harvests and it was hard to attract railroads to come near that direction. Like I said, middle of nowhere. 
So the town ended up staying pretty small, relatively speaking. But it still stands, and people still live in and around there. In fact, their most notable alum, football player Veryl Switzer, after playing All-American football at Kansas State, serving as an Air Force veteran, and then playing for the Green Bay Packers, ended up moving back to Nicodemus, farming over 800 acres of land and starting a flower plant there. I got out of the car and walked around, and it made me think about all the brave people who had moved out west and took that risk, of all races. How they worked together to build communities and schools and churches and houses. It seemed like a hands-on, do-it-yourself culture that has been completely lost. I was kind of embarrassed thinking about how little I could do with my hands and how if I were tasked with building my own home, I would probably die. The historic site consists of five buildings that still stand from the original settlement, and they're all scattered amongst the other buildings. The buildings are Township Hall, which is now home to a temporary visitor center, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the First Baptist Church, the St. Francis Hotel, and the Nicodemus School District Number 1 Schoolhouse. The entire community can't be wider and deeper than a few city blocks. I was happy to have seen it. The Baptist church was the most iconic looking, all white facade that was a little stained with a black shingled roof, just smack dab in the middle of a solitary flat plain. With a different and creepier story, I would have been creeped out, but it was so quiet and so peaceful. I took a second to close my eyes and to breathe in the fresh air. Okay, moment over, let's keep it moving. I was about 40 miles away from the hotel and needed to get cracking. Those skies were getting dark. So, update. At this point in the day, I am not feeling my best. I'm feeling the worst that I've felt so far on this trip. The hangover definitely didn't help, but I somehow convinced myself that maybe drinking a little will help. I'm not sure how I drew that conclusion, maybe like a hair of the dog situation, but I went and I bought a beer from a gas station. I ended up barely drinking any of it. I took some allergy medicine, hoping that, per usual, I would wake up feeling better. The allergy symptoms were getting kind of intense. I attributed this to being in a new region that was currently going through its allergy season. I hadn't eaten dinner, but tonight would be another Subway night. One of my pet peeves is when there's one person working at Subway, and the person in front of me orders three sandwiches. They sit there making the three sandwiches, squirting that disgusting tube of mayonnaise everywhere. God forbid the person ordering three sandwiches got something healthy. And then as they're finishing up and ringing the other person up, another employee randomly comes out of the back who had been there the whole time. So not only was I sitting in line watching these gross sandwiches being made, but there was another person there the whole time who could have been helping me. Anyway, I got what I had been getting. Turkey, wheat, all the veggies, mustard, and it was subpar per usual. I arrived at my hotel. Let us not forget to reiterate the point that this hotel the Econo Lodge in Waukini, Kansas, was very sketch. No offense to the lovely owner. One night at this hotel was 45 bucks, which is crazy, but I guess you also get what you pay for it. It reminded me of the rooms from a film noir where some guy is on the run and he stays in some random hotel in the middle of nowhere. This hotel was a sight. 
The dark clouds rolling in added to the ambiance. The hotel was this one-level motel situation. You literally drive up to your door. There was a pool in the middle with no water in it during the summer, which is never a great sign, but no big deal. The rooms themselves were legit scary, though. Like, dark in the back corner. And like, a narrowish, just narrow enough for a creepy guy to fit perfectly and snuggly in type of corner. The bed had this gross, dark red comforter that looked like it had seen it all. This place wasn't ideal, but at least the TV was nice. That was a saving grace. Next door, there was a really creepy antique store. It looked like an abandoned church. With the weather that was rolling in, it looked ominous and haunted. There was a giant coat hanger, white and really tall, and it was angled so that it kind of looked like a wiry cross. The red paint of the wooden facade had nearly peeled off. On the other side of the sky, the sunset was electrifying. It was literally pink, it was nuts. Stark contrast with the big dark cloud directly above it. That gray and pink contrast is a vibe potentially, just saying. Another reassuring thing was that the owner of the motel and his wife were both present potentially running the hotel alone. He dealt with the reservations and she cleaned the rooms. They were an Indian couple and they were both super warm and normal, which was reassuring for sure. Some other good news is that there had literally been one case of COVID in the entire county. I sat in the parking lot and ate the subway off the back of my car while I watched the dark clouds roll in. I was doing laundry too, and I had to do two dryer cycles. I had just enough quarters, thank God. But the laundry room was so hot, and it was also just a room that had laundry machines in it. Like it was literally a hotel room with no bed and laundry equipment instead. Odd. And I'm not kidding, it was 110 degrees in there. It was nuts. I was dripping. Getting out and doing chores sort of made me feel healthier in a weird way. I wanted to go to the diner next door, but they were just closing up shop. It was like loosely connected to the gas station I had bought the beer at. A lot of walking around in the dark and a big storm was coming in. I could see the lightning miles in the distance. It was pretty, but I was excited to wake up and get out of here. This was definitely the trenches of the trip. At least I got to relax now, even though my room sucked. As I was emerging from the darkness, walking back to my room from doing laundry, I heard, hey, hey. I was super sketched out, obviously, but I was like, yeah? And this younger guy goes, were you looking for a cat? And I was like, a cat, like like an anim the animal, a cat? And he was like, yeah. And I go, uh, no. <laughs> like, obviously I wasn't. Like, it just seemed crazy. And he goes, well, I just saw it, but yeah, it's not yours, so whatever. Night. <laughs> the guy wasn't really sketchy either. Like, when I heard him go, hey, I just assumed he was going to be like, hey, man, did you see a cat? But instead, he literally was like, hey, man, did you see that cat? Just a normal ass kid. But this was just weird. It was getting weird. I needed to fucking go to bed. <laughs> I got in bed after doing my laundry and I turned off the light. Laundry was hilarious. While I was doing the drying, some girl walked in and thought she had accidentally broken into my room. 
Or like she thought she was supposed to be in the ice machine room but accidentally ended up in my room because it was confusing. When you walk in there, the first sight is a couch and I was sitting on the couch. You can't yet see the ice machine and you can't see the laundry machines either. So on first glance, you just think you walked in on someone's room. And it was really loud in there too. So I was trying to yell, be like, oh, it's okay, it's in the laundry room. But I don't, I don't think she could hear me. <laughs> so I was kind of gesturing and eventually I think she figured it out, but it was weird. Anyway, as I turned off the light in my room, a beetle flew right onto my face. And kind of a big one. It was terrifying. I thought it was a cockroach. How the hell am I supposed to sleep well after that? Come on. I left the TV on and was watching the local news, which I wish I had been doing this whole time. It's so interesting to just see what brand of local news is in each place you go. Doesn't matter where, but it's always equally low production value, to put it diplomatically. Sort of notoriously janky, but I try not to make fun of it. I just try to get a feel for the people. The storm was pounding outside. Thunder and lightning, like cracking lightning too. But on the news, they were saying that although there was a big storm, the tornado risk was low. That was nice to hear, but also reminded me that this area gets slammed by tornadoes. But apparently the tornado season is more in the spring typically, which was nice to know. Classic person from the Northeast being scared of tornadoes when locals would be like, you'll be fine, pal. I fell asleep around 11.30. The thunder and lightning kept waking me up, but I was still able to get a decent night's sleep. On the next episode of Pack Light, I drive by familiar and notorious territory that resulted in multiple criminal charges. <laughs> I have another run-in with law enforcement, and I continue to push north towards what I consider to be the most beautiful part of the country. Check out my YouTube channel for the entire episode along with a, you guessed it, soothing visual accompaniment. <laughs> and check out the Instagram, at PackLightPics, for some videos and pictures of the stuff from the episode and also for a checklist of all the stops that I made if you want to try to do a similar trip yourself. There's a link to my playlist in the episode description as well. Message me on my Instagram, at NotJulio. That's N-O-T-J-U-L-I-O. And let me know your thoughts and suggestions. Anything you have to say, really, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I'll see you next time.